Welcome to Accelerate Your Business Growth with your host, Diane Helbig. Diane is a leading small business development and leadership coach, author, and speaker who is passionate about sharing valuable ideas, tips, and techniques with business professionals worldwide. Diane brings you the world's experts and gurus in all things business, whether it's sales, structure, social media, planning, or plateauing, guests bring their expertise and energy to each episode. When growing your business is your focus, Accelerate Your Business Growth is the show to listen to. Got a topic or guest suggestion? Let Diane know. The goal is to make sure you have the information you need to move your business forward. Thanks for joining us. Settle in and enjoy. Hi, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us. Today's podcast is sponsored by Audible.com. Audible.com is a leading provider of spoken digital audio entertainment and information. Listen to audiobooks whenever and wherever you want. Get a free book when you sign up for a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash businessgrowth. We are uh, really proud of the fact that this podcast is continuing to gain recognition as a resource for small business owners, entrepreneurs, and sales professionals. From MSNBC's Your Business to Inc.com to Fit Small Business, uh, Proven, uh, a host of other sites on the internet, um, Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast is enjoying inclusion on lists of the best podcasts to listen to. This is really because of the wonderful guests that I have had the pleasure of speaking with over the years. These are folks who have expertise in various areas of business, and they join me. They take time out of their schedule, and they join me to share that expertise with you so that you folks can do better things in your business. Today, we actually have a bonus because today we're talking to two people. (laughs) My guests today are Chris Marie Campbell and Susan Clark. Chris Mary and Susan are coaches, business consultants, speakers, and co-authors of The Beauty of Conflict, Harnessing Your Team's Competitive Advantage, which published in November of 2017. They and their organization thrive coaching and consulting, specialize in helping professional women, leaders, teams, and entire companies learn how to transform conflict into creativity and innovation. Thank you so much for joining me today, ladies. We are excited to be here. Yes. <laughs> well, this is, I yeah. am excited to have you guys here. This is such an interesting concept. Um, <laughs> 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 no, right? You've probably yeah. heard that before. Um, so talk to me some about, like, I'm curious about why you uh, write about the beauty of conflict when, frankly, I don't think there's anyone out there who likes conflict. So, <laughs> fill me in. Yes, this is Chris Marie, and uh, Susan, I'll let you go in a minute. <laughs> but um, I completely agree. Conflict is a really scary, uncomfortable, usually to be avoided topic. Uh, but we have found time and time again, actually in our own working with each other, that when we can hang in in conflict, we get to amazing results. And uh, when I first started working with Susan, she, I have to say, she is the one that is the, you know, the more proponent to hanging in. And so every time we got into conflict, I thought, this is not going to work. You know, this, this relationship, this business, it's not going to work. And she would be like, no, hang in. I, I know we're at odds because it's usually my way or your way and we're hitting loggerheads. And she'd say, hang in there. And, um, and we'd be, you know, we'd apply the tools that we teach in the book, The Beauty of Conflict, and time and time again, we would get to an innovative solution that wasn't my way or her way, but it was something outside of our realm of, of thinking when we first bumped into each other. And so I realized, wow, this really works. If you really hang in and apply these tools, you can get to something creative that just wasn't possible if I was sticking to my point of view and bumping up against hers, if that makes sense. It makes complete sense. And I love this concept of hanging in (laughs) through the conflict, right? That you, I mean, people give up so quickly. Oh yeah. You really have to, right? Oh Mm -hmm. yeah. 
sorry. And this, this is why we say that it's, you know, it, it can apply really anytime there's more than two people involved, but it's expensive. Well, more than one person, really, just two people. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, but it's really, it's, it's got a sweet spot for people who genuinely have a shared purpose, care about each other. In some place, have, you have to remember there's a reason we're together. That happens on teams, it happens in business. And when people can realize that it's natural, like that is the juice, you, you want to have a business team that's made out of very opinionated people who have different expertise. You want them to have that passion and care about their ideas. You want them to have a shared vision. And that is a natural place for conflict. That is where, and, and it's a good thing. And I know most of us have not grown up ever appreciating that. So, um, but it is it is quite natural, whether it, you know on teams in any any relationship. And when we get that, it's like our best resources and the next new thing isn't going to come from out there. It's going to come bet from between us. If we could just get that, and uh, I think we could do some pretty amazing things. And sometimes when we've seen that happen, we've seen amazing things happen. Yeah, we've worked with, this is Chris Marie, we've worked with uh, clients over and over again who think, oh, we've got irreconcilable differences or we're getting nowhere. And when they do this concept of hang in, it's uh, just amazing the results that they get. Innovative ideas that really hit the bottom line and the, the level of fulfillment because trust is built when you actually can hang in, hang in with conflict. And Susan taught really was taught me that because I was the pro conflict avoider when we first started working together 17 years ago. So <laughs> that is true. But no, <laughs> this is Susan speaking. I will I will attest to that. No. <laughs> and a lot of people have we we talk in the book about this idea that a lot of times the way that we have learned to cope with conflict, which has nothing to do with using conflict is often what we refer to as a superpower. And I say that because um, with, you know, even with Chris Marie, her ability to listen and navigate and get other people to talk about their ideas is something that is brilliant. And she can synthesize those ideas and help people pull them together. And the piece that was often missing was she didn't always show up in the equation. So, um, so that's one of those styles that is actually a superpower of hers. And that's often the problem is that the way we cope has become something we're really good at. Um, and I'm a very strongly opinionated person and can kind of take charge of something. And a lot of times have forgotten to bring everybody else along. So I've had to learn, though that can be a good strength, it's actually not necessarily a great thing in conflict. And uh, it's much better to be able to have an opinion, but also sit back, listen, and not just, you know, go my way. So uh, that, that we've learned that over the years with each other, and we've seen it time and time again with teams, that that very thing you've learned to do, um, to be an individual superstar, isn't necessarily at that helpful in conflict or building a team. Yeah. And Diane, I was thinking, I, I, just even to uh, define conflict, how we, he, we use it, because a lot of times conflict, uh, people think of just fighting or yelling at each other, and that's not what yeah. we're saying. Yeah. Um, we don't think that's healthy conflict, at least, um, although it can get messy. We really, conflict shows up when you gather people that have strong, um, strong opinions, so they're passionate about what's going on. And you, they're smart people, so they have different opinions, and you're working on this common purpose. Now, that can be your partner at home, or it could be your business partner, or your whole business team. But when you actually care about a high-stakes thing, and you've got people with different opinions and strong emotions, you're going to bump. And it's that bump we think is really the potential energy of creativity that we are not taught how to deal with. We're actually given really poor models growing up about it. And that's what we're really about, helping people take that moment. And we call it an oh shit moment because it feels that way. Like, oh my gosh, what's going to happen now? I don't know how to deal with this. It's a moment that overwhelms right. our capacity to respond. And that is really, though, to any time that happens, we really want people to go, okay, this feels yucky, but it's actually um, a red flag in, in terms of like our, a red, uh, green light, like this is the good juice if we can figure out how to get through it. So, okay. yeah. 
this is so fascinating to me. So, um, and, I, and I'm glad that you defined the conflict because I do think that's what, what people think. And I agree with you that we don't necessarily have good role models because I think people have got, have figured out their way of coping and their way of dealing, which doesn't necessarily solve the problem, mm -hmm. <clears throat> but it gets them through the day. Yeah, so, exactly. Right? Okay. Right. So when we, when you talk about hanging in there and figuring out how to, uh, you know, I guess use the the conflict. How do you get people to get out of their own way? Because if you've got a bunch of people who are really opinionated, who think their way is the best way, it feels to me like then they're probably not even listening to what anyone else is saying. Mm -hmm. So uh, how do you get them to stop and take a breath and <laughs> open themselves up to gee, there might just be another way here. Well, you know, it's interesting. I'd say there are two different situations where that will occur simply. One, I mean, we have worked with really great teams that just recognize uh, we could be better if we just listen to each other better. We've got really smart people here and we need some help. And we've been brought in to work with those teams. Those are, you know, that's like the dream job. And, and yeah. they still get into conflict, but they know that they get into conflict and they really want the value of having someone there to help, you know, make sure they uh, get through it in a, in a way that uses it, utilizes it. And then the other situation is really where we started in our business, where we get brought in when, it, when a company is really hitting that oh shit moment. It's usually a leadership team. They realize that there's a significant kind of a crisis point or uh, going on and um, they, you know, I mean, I can give you kind of a classic example when we got brought in with a, a network engineering group and they, the leader brought us in because he said, look, I just want you to help me get this workflow redone because we've now hired two consulting firms and each time it's failed at implementation. And we were kind of like listening to that going, okay, but what we knew right away was this was probably not an implementation issue, probably really wasn't a, a problem with the design. It was probably something else. And sure enough, we showed up and, but we got him to agree to do some other work with his team, not just try to solve the smart problem, the business problem. And sure enough, when we got there, one of the guys um, said, you know, we're starting off saying, okay, it's really important that you show up today. You're willing to say what's really on your mind. And one of the guys just basically said, look, I think this is a total waste of time. I think this is insane. Why are we paying these people money? I, I don't trust the guy across the table. And, and uh, I don't know. I don't know why we're here. And you wow. could feel the yeah, same. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and, mouth dropped. Our, our mind did. It was really <laughs> dramatic. But I was like, okay, this is great. You are, that is, uh, I'm glad you spoke up. And then I looked at the guy he was talking to and said, oh, you have any comments? And all he said was ditto and still silence, you know? And in my, my mind, that was like, okay, this is perfect because, and how many of you knew there was a problem between these two people? And they all raised their hands. And, wow. so, you know, we said, look, we want to address this before we go any further. And we actually probably spent 25 minutes, something like that, Chris Marie, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Working with that around what had occurred. And there had been an incident that occurred six months, seven months prior, I think. And before the two consulting firms, obviously, one team had gotten a bonus, one team hadn't. There had been a delay, a handoff that had gone poorly. They had never dealt with it. And so we started to tell them, okay, you know, right there, we were like, this is the problem. It's not the, I don't know what we're going to do with the workflow, but you guys are just trying to work around conflict, which cannot be good. And sure enough, you know, we spent some time talking through our tools to help them improve their communication. We had them go back and work with their teams. The interesting thing about that was they actually went back to the original workflow because they did work through that conflict. They went back to the original design. It rolled out fine. Uh, rolled out and the leader wrote us back and said that was a quarter of a million dollars three quarters three quarters of a million dollars yeah, that's right three quarters of a million dollars that we had spent on consulting fees salaries all because of a conflict that we weren't resolving 
And, wow. you know, um, so the, you know, sometimes the pain point is so high that people are like, I mean, you have to kind of put them in it. So then you can say, look, yeah. this is, this is where you need to be. And we're going to help support you to get to a different place with it. But that, you know, those are the two where it's like either a really high performing team that knows they could be better or a really dysfunctional team that's in so much pain that it's like, help us. Um, and then you kind of have to point out, you're going to have to get messy before you get better. And, I know. love that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think, Diane, even in the moment, you know, in that moment where you're bumping heads, this is Chris Marie, um, I think actually reminding people of the goal, like mutual purpose. You get to be right, but how, what is that going to really serve you and the business long term? Or you can actually take a breath, like you said, and try to get curious. Try to, this person that you actually are working with and hopefully respect has a completely different idea. Why would this person have such a different point of view? To really help the person, so one, reminding them of the mutual purpose, like, we've got to solve this problem. This is our project or our business. And how come this bright person would have such a different opinion mm -hmm. and, and accessing the curiosity on that end. So that would be in the moment, the micro moment, how to help somebody shift and listen. I see. Okay. So, so it's really just stopping and asking. I, I love that question. Instead of making assumptions you know, making your own decision about where that person's coming from. It's asking yourself the question, if, if we are all interested in the same endpoint, why would they be looking at this differently? What could possibly be going on that they would see it in a different light? Yeah. That's why, a, go ahead, Susan. Yeah, yeah, this is, I mean, one of the questions that we often say to people to ask in, in any given situation and is, you know, why is this so important to you? Like when somebody has a different opinion than you, instead of just trying to convince them of yours, find out why their point of view is so important. And, you know, because generally speaking, we do, you know, when you're working on a team with someone, you do have some respect for them. I mean, you know, I jokingly say that. I have to admit when Chris Marie and I started working together, our <laughs> styles are very different. And there were times when I was like, I, I admit, I did not respect the way she would go about doing things. And I, I can probably say, Chris Marie, it's fair to say you were the same Oh my way. gosh, I thought she was an idiot. Like, what? Okay, that's, <laughs> she, you know, it's there. <laughs> okay, you didn't have to be that blunt. But still, yeah. you know, you get, you know. Ladies. And, <laughs> and, however, you know, what I've learned over and over again is that she does some things like she's a detail person. I am not a detail person. And so when she would want all this detail and specifics and you know exactly how you're gonna do this, this, I would just be like, that is such a waste of time. We need to, you need to think bigger. We need to think, you know, and, uh, but nine times out of 10, I would say her slowing me down and getting me to realize that I was missing some key elements on how we were gonna get there over and over again was the thing that made a significant difference in how we delivered and the work that we got done. And so I kept learning, wait a minute, she, she thinks different than me. That's a good thing. And I need to pay attention when she says, I'm, I'm an idiot. I need to pay attention <laughs> to that and consider that that's coming from a place that's not just mean, you know, there's right. a reason she has such a strong opinion. <laughs> um, and you know obviously you know we've learned to develop that now over the years so that we know when we get to that point when we're right smack in it to take a step back and go wait a minute there's something good here we haven't found it yet you know but um if we can have some goodwill with each other some curiosity and both be vulnerable in it we can right. get through this so yeah and the, the same thing would happen with me. Susan would be such a, she's such a big picture thinker. And the first idea I'd want to figure out, well, how are we going to do that? And realizing that I'm going to implementation way too fast. So, okay, we're going to brainstorm, have all these big ideas, and then figure out the details. So styles plays a lot into how we yeah. bump 
And until we recognize, oh, we just actually have different preferences for how we think about things or tend to go towards details or big picture or people or strategy, then it can help bridge those gaps and we can start to appreciate where relationships do break down and respect is lost. Because that's another piece that we have to deal with when we're working with teams. And even my idiot comment is how can I actually um, come back to a place of respect for this person and recognize they're just different than me. They're not less than or better. They're just different. Okay. So uh, this is so interesting for me. You know, I I don't know if I'm sure the listeners are doing this thing that, that I end up doing where I put myself in these situations and I think about, you know, experiences that I've had on boards or teams and, and absolutely going through this. And one of the things that I, I love, I think most about this is the being curious because mm-hmm. if you can just stop yourself and, and even just ask the question, okay, explain to me why this, what, you know, how you're seeing this, explain to me why you're, really sitting on this point. Explain to me how your viewpoint of this, what you think matters, just opens up where that other person is coming from. So then, you know, if you can really be open to it, you might see things that make you take a step back and go, okay, right. Like you guys were saying, (laughs) okay, wait, we're in implementation way too soon. I got to take a step back. Mm -hmm. That, so... I say that out loud, and then the next thought that comes to me is there's a certain degree of confidence and self-esteem that is probably attached to being able to listen to somebody else. Mm. You know, in the, this is Susan, in the book, we do talk about the idea that when you want to shift from this, your coping stance to where you're kind of diffusing or, you know, opting out of conflict to really going, getting into it, that there's three key pieces. And one is what we refer to as the me. And the me is the ability to stand in your own point of view, opinion, story, I mean, sometimes it's even become a being willing to, it's really owning your blind spots, recognizing when you uh, are stepping on everyone else in the room or when you're holding back. Um, And so that what you're saying is, I think, I don't know if it's confidence as much as a willingness to be vulnerable and reveal and show up in it from a genuine perspective. And that I think is, is, something that is hard. I mean, Brené Brown has given vulnerability a much better use of the word, you know, over the years now. But I think a lot of people in business shy away from vulnerability. And yet it's probably, you know, that is the piece. Great leaders have a willingness to be vulnerable. And that's actually how they can gain their own solid ground. Uh, Over and over again, I've seen that in coaching, you know, yeah. how important that is. I think, I think Diane, when you were, you know, this is where probably, because we, we haven't really talked about the, the three opt-out styles, which is how people typically deal with conflict. We've, we've mentioned them like superstar, I'm going to take charge. The other one, um, and they really value action and results and their, their idea is the best way. They have a strong me in their opinion. Then there's the accommodators who, which is my, was my go-to style, which is really, um, I'm going to actually keep, keep the peace and make sure uh, everybody's happy. And, and I may actually ask you questions. I'll negotiate between you and Susan. You guys are great. That's fine. And I'll leave out myself. And then the third one is the separator, which is really, they just think, oh, interpersonal issues are, are not important. And I'm going to do something else while <laughs> this goes on and you two figure it out and I'll come back. And so they kind of, they really value clarity and and calm. But even in my, what you're saying about this confidence, I had, um, because of my upbringing, I had a really strong opinionated father. So I wasn't so good about bringing my opinion forward. But I did start to go, I did start to say, you know what, I feel like there's no room for my opinion. That would be the vulnerable comment. And then that would get me to, so this is what I really think. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, I, right. This is Susan. And I do want to say, I mean, vulnerability is a, is an interesting 
thing because I think a lot of times we think of like in that scenario or, or other, like what Chris Marie was mentioning, you know, I'm a, maybe I'm afraid of speaking up or I don't know how to speak up or um, I, have, I have reasons why I'm holding myself back. It can also be equally vulnerable to have a strong opinion, to be angry, if that's not what you've ever done before. Um, vulnerability is kind of the willingness to expose yourself to danger is one way to think about it. That's Webster's definition. And so knowing that it's not going to be, it's, you know, that, that to me says it all right there. So if I'm someone who can have a strong opinion all the time, vulnerability for me is stepping back and saying, you know, I have this strong opinion, but I don't actually know. I don't really think I'm right. I think I just am fighting because that's, you know, I kind of, that's what I do. Um, right. That could be vulnerability or I don't know how to speak up or I'm, I, I mean, even the separator who sounds like somebody who doesn't like interpersonal things could, it could, it's usually because they are very uncomfortable and have no idea what to do. So that's why they're looking for the clarity and calm. And if they could just say that, that would be a huge piece. I'm incredibly uncomfortable because this is not an area that I know how to navigate. And I'm right. looking to do something that I do know how to do because I'm way more confident there. And when we see people in a meeting, if one person does that in a group, it has a profound effect on everyone. And, you know, inevitably that uh, people start to pay attention to that. That's why we say that, that, that vulnerability and curiosity, those two ingredients are the magic ingredients for shifting conflict. And if any one person shows up offering that, uh, things, amazing things can happen. Yeah. I can see that. It, it's sort of like uh, you just need someone to go first for people to realize it's okay yeah. for them then yeah. to say how they're feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, you know, um, we I'm do. Take a quick, okay. Go ahead. I mean, we do sometimes, inevitably, there might be a team where that person, as soon as someone shows up vulnerably, somebody else, often the leader, will will do something that can totally undermine it. Like, and then, you know, that's, that's how come we, um, you know, like to come in and work with the team so we can kind of point that out. Right now, you just, somebody just showed up and you totally cut them down. You might want to rethink that and, you know, step back and just listen for a minute and see what go comes next. This is, I mean, you're probably going to hate it when I say this, but <clears throat> it's so funny because, um, I personally like Dr. Phil. I like the stuff he says to people. And when you were saying that, I was thinking, okay, I remember watching one where someone was doing that, was just like totally cutting down somebody. And he just looked at him and he said, and your point is, like, what, what are you hoping to achieve there? Good for you. How is this solving for It's like so great. It's yeah. like, wait a minute, right? Yeah. I'm going to call BS on that. So, um, okay, I have to take a quick sponsor break, and then I want to continue with the conversation. Okay. Uh, Accelerate Your Business Growth Podcast is happy to be sponsored by Audible.com. Audible.com is a leading provider of spoken digital audio entertainment and information. They have over 150,000 titles to choose from, and you can listen to them on any device, including whatever you're hearing us on right now. If you sign up at our link, which is audibletrial.com slash businessgrowth, you get one free audiobook and a one-month trial of the service. Some examples of books you can listen to on audible.com are 80-20 Sales and Marketing by Perry Marshall and The Go-Giver by Bob Berg. Both of them have been on this, have been guests on this podcast. So visit audibletrial.com slash business growth, explore the books that are of interest to you and receive one free audiobook when you sign up for the trial. Today, we're talking with Chris Marie Campbell and Susan Clark about the beauty of conflict in business and in life. And yes, you heard me right. I did say beauty. And <laughs> quite frankly, when you listen to this conversation, you will understand exactly uh, what we're talking about. So ladies, um, let's talk some about the result of sort of dealing with conflict or, you know, the, the pseudo dealing with conflict. What, what would that look like and what ends up being the impact? You mean when like conflict really isn't dealt with, it kind of goes underground. Yeah. Yeah. 
a lot of, we call it corporate cancer <laughs> when it happens. Because when things aren't really put out on the table, people think, oh gosh, great, we dodged that bullet. We don't have to deal with this. And what happens, it's like wildfire outside of the room because you have the meeting outside of the meeting and everybody's gossiping about it because everybody saw what happened and felt just as uncomfortable. And it, it really breaks down trust starts the gossip chain, which we think is horrible in, re in any kind of relationships, and uh, undermines results. People, teams, and businesses get to much less clarity, and in, um, people aren't bought in because, you know, and trust breaks down. So it's really toxic to an organization, a team, a relationship, anything like that. That's, this is Chris Marie. Susan, I don't know if you have something to add to that. Well, I do think that's kind of the alter issue when conflict doesn't get dealt with and goes underground. And I also think um, the other, you know, aside from that is teams that sort of deal with it, but don't really deal with it, um, stay mediocre. So there either becomes a kind of a crisis point or teams stay average. And um, meaning that they are working at either the leader's level of smarts or, you know, uh, the, the loudest person. And instead of actually getting to much more collaborative and juicier possibilities, but you're not going to get there if you don't deal with it directly. And that's why we say it's, it, it is messy sometimes. Um, yeah. I mean, we worked with a company, uh, this was a, a big data company and they, um, you know, that we had worked with them previously strategically doing some work with them on a yearly basis. And we got a call from the CEO saying, you know, look, I've got a problem here. I've, you know, I'm going before my board and I have like this run rate of a half a million that I can't really explain why, why that's happening with some new business development. And I need to have a, you know, come to Jesus meeting with my team, so to speak. And um, so I want you guys there to make sure we have the right conversation. So we were expecting it to be, you know, really tense you know and he and we did ask him to wait a little bit but he's not the guy that would do that so sure enough the minute we got in the room he you know blurted out we're here to talk about this because this is a problem and we said we were gonna deal with this type of stuff and now it's shown up and I don't you know why is it why why do we have this and uh, it was really funny because the guy who was responsible for business development Bob he was like oh that's easy I could tell you exactly why that's happening. You know, I, I wanted to use new engineers to do this, use our engineers to do this work, but I couldn't get them, you know, couldn't get them on board to help me out. So I had to hire outside people. And I'd say that's probably about a million, half a million right there. So in the consulting fees. And then the, the woman who was in charge of the engineering bread and butter side of the business. She said, yeah. wait, you know, don't throw me under the bus. You know, I'm, I'm, you came to me with some half-baked idea. No way was I going to take our key, you know, key personnel off of what they were doing to come do something that wasn't ready to go. And right in that moment, that's what we, we really think is the kind of classic oh shit moment, you know, because they were right in it quite quickly. And what happened, what was interesting was they had actually been building up to that for probably six, nine months because they, you know, what had happened was the CEO, Mike, had been dealing with each of them separately uh, because he didn't want, you know, he knew there were some differences and he wanted them to each do their best job. So he was sort of managing them one-on-one. -on -one. And the cost of that was that he wasn't having them deal with this conflict between them. And Bob, who was basically the superstar, had just gone and gotten the job done. And yeah. Peggy, who was the more the separator, was like, hey, until I'm not going to give you resources. They both had a point, but the cost of it was huge to the company. And when they had that conversation, they really realized they needed to get better at uh, getting messy and dealing with that more effectively. And we've continued to work with them, and they are very committed to, you know, uh, getting into those messy situations and have really turned things around as a result of it. But that would, I would say up till then, you know, it was kind of, they were doing okay, but they were in silos doing okay. And that's what I mean by it's mediocre at best. Yeah. So um, that is such a great example. And I, and I think you must see that happen 
so often that people don't get the players in the room or don't have the people, you know, deal with each other individually or, you know, go straight to the source, I guess is really what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. So you end up with not even just mediocre, but probably, you know, a situation that spirals out of control because you're not really ever dealing with it. Right. I mean, I think it's really, uh, this is Chris Marie. I think people think, oh, I'll be efficient and I'll just talk to this person one-on-one. But it, yeah. it definitely uh, is a suboptimal solution because you aren't actually looking at the bigger picture, like all the elements. And we're not big for consensus. Don't, don't, don't get us wrong. But we are uh, big believers in having that kind of passionate ideological debate and seeing that bigger and how you bump off each other and knowing the impact, you can't do that with just one-on-one conversations because the whole right. the whole equation's not in the room. Yep. Yeah. We yeah. also, this is Susan, we also believe that it's, because the other thing, you know, efficiency is one thing. And a lot of times people don't want to say something that they think is going to, I mean, this is probably not going to sound right, but they don't want to hurt somebody else's feelings. They want to, sure. you know, they, they like each, they like the people on their team and they don't want to upset them. And, you know, I would say as, as coaches, you know, um, I don't know how many times I've been brought in to deliver a message that would have been way better if one of someone, if someone's teammate had been willing to speak up and say, what was going on. Now, I'm not saying right. I, I can do that. I do do it. But if you're, if I mean, I think it, and I often tell people, it's going to hurt that person's feelings a lot more when they hear it from me and they don't hear it directly from you. You know, don't kid yourself. You're not actually doing this for them. You're doing this because you are too uncomfortable. (laughs) That is so true. And, and, And frankly, you know, I think really on executive and leadership teams, I mean, I find that, I always say, I think it's, you know, you're not very courageous if you haven't been able to tell your own teammate something that you're now telling me is a problem with them. And, right. uh, you know, you might want to, there's a lot of books out there about the importance of having backbone and speaking up. But if you don't have the heart to tell somebody the truth and you're paying a coach to tell them, you might want to look at that. Um, yeah. why, aren't, why aren't you doing it? Um, and so, because I know it's hard, it's like, who wants to tell somebody? I mean, you know, Chris Marie gives me feedback of all types and it's never the most comfortable thing. Um, but I'm so grateful that I have a teammate that will, you know, um, and that's something we talk a lot about when we're working with teams. Will you have that tough conversation? Even if it may sound mean, it may sound harsh. Um, how can you have it? And I think you can have it with vulnerability and curiosity. And that's what makes the difference between a mediocre team and a great team. And having that conversation, this Chris Marie, having that conversation directly, then you have your teammates back or your business partners back if you're willing to say something to them versus everybody. It's like the emperor without clothes on, you know, everybody else. Yeah. Sees it and and they're, yeah. they, they are so surprised when they hear it and hurt when it's delayed, it's from somebody else. It's not pleasant. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. And this concept of <clears throat> really, you just uh, perpetuate a mediocre team. That is not what people are shooting for when they put right when they when they put their team together when they put their company together. They what they really want is they want that innovation and that creativity and that hitting these things out of the park. And it takes everyone being uh, having buy-in. And so it sounds to me like being able to harness conflict helps people really have buy-in because as you say, then they know their teammates have their back and, Mm -hmm. and, um, right. And and respect them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I tell you, it really strengthens people when they see that they can get messy and get through it over and over again. We've seen that. I mean, and we've seen some pretty, pretty ugly situations. I mean, I mean, I was in a situation once where these two men stood up pounding the table across from each other. And I think everybody in the room was, you know, including my co, this was not when I was working, I was working with somebody else, another consultant. And even I think he was thrown off. And I was just like, okay, look, 
we need to deal with this, you know, you like, I, sit down. you know, I did, a binge, I said, you know, I get, I'm glad you're speaking up and now you need to sit down and we need to deal with this. And I'm okay. If you have a lot of angry things to say to each other, I think you should say them, but you're not going to say I'm pounding it on the table. Yeah. And I yeah. was surprised how, you know, I said, I'm okay. If you have some stuff to say, but let's say it in a way that it can be heard, not scaring everybody in the room to, you know, think you're going to do something crazy. So, I think they were surprised that I, you know. I'll bet, yeah. <laughs> but let's talk some about, I want to like pull on that because let's talk about um, and how this all impacts employee engagement. Because I got to imagine that the other people in the room are making their own assessment of how engaged they're going to continue to be if they are in an environment where conflict is not being handled effectively. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, this is Chris Marie. It's until you actually kind of develop a culture where people are engaged when they feel like they can speak up and be themselves because that keeps them passionately engaged and feeling like, hey, I can be me here at work is, you know, within the bounds of the construct of work. But when people think, uh-oh, I can't do that, then they start to pull out and it feels their passion goes down a lot. You think about why all of us start our own businesses is because we want to be more independent and be able to be ourselves and speak up and say what we want. And so um, if I'm running a business, which I am, helping other people who I work with show up more fully is incredibly powerful for their buy-in and leaning into the loyalty of the company. And I get more of their creative ideas. But you have to really, you have to model that because otherwise, and we often pick on the leader, the, the leader has to be the one. And we often, when we're, when we're working with teams, we, we say to the leader up front, you know, we're going to actually pick on you first in the way of you've got to, you've got to demonstrate the level of vulnerability and curiosity that you want everybody else to exhibit. Definitely. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think, though, you know, one of the things about the engagement piece is, and, and this, you know, often it's big organizations that do a lot with engagement and smaller organizations. I mean, we've worked with a lot of startups and, and at various points in a startup, what one of the biggest pieces that occurs is, you know, when the founder realizes that they're or that that little group of three that started it all is really the biggest problem in the room. Um, and a lot of times it's really hard for them to realize that some of the things they've been doing are actually creating a, a culture of silence, a culture where people aren't speaking up, a culture where people have been um, uh, don't, they're not gonna tell them because they're, they were the originators of the idea. And it's like, or they've told them and they didn't listen. And right. you know, that, that is a tough thing to get confronted with. I mean, uh, when you, that we worked with, this was a much larger organization, but we worked with this one leader who was in, in, the chief of technology and um, he kept his engagement scores were horrifying. And it ended up that the worst of the scores were on his own team. And he didn't really like two to one you know, in two engaged people to every one disengaged person. And that's wow. a horrible result. And yeah. finally, you know, he realized, oh, this might be, is partially my problem. And he, you know, we got, we had the chance to work with them and they did have some real, and it ends up the biggest issues were with some of the things he was doing. And to his credit, he hung in and listened and made some tough decisions because at one big piece was he had a co- a guy that worked with him who he loved working with, who was just not, not, not a team. Not a team not, yeah. <laughs> and it was really hard for him to deal with the feedback of the impact that was having on his team. And eventually he did deal with it. And now, I mean, the next, after working with them, the results went to 12 engaged employees to one and have continued to improve, but it's, wow. you know, but it took him being really to realize, Oh, I'm a big part of the problem. And so often I think it's hard, especially in small businesses, startups, things like that, where you got these people who had great ideas, but have never really worked with teams or with people. And that skill set may be a little different than the one that got the company going. And it's a whole different thing uh, at that point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so talk about this. So you've talked about this oh shit moment, which I love. Because <laughs> I can feel it. Um, <laughs> talk to me about the oh shit kit. Oh. And, and yeah. So right. Go for it. So, um, well, one of the things, and this is from my background, I think this is Chris Marie, I was terrified of conflict. Uh, you know, I just, bad things happened when dad was mad when I was growing up. So um, I experienced a lot of oh shit moments that I kept trying different strategies and, and uh, keeping the peace and, you know, all that stuff was really important. And this happens in, in uh, business meetings where a team gets together and they're, they're talking about a business idea and all of a sudden everybody has different ideas. The intensity, conflict's going up, the stress is going up in the room and people are getting driven to what we call a low performance state. And in, at the top of that low performance state, they're trying to make business decisions. And you've got people that are in their coping styles, fight, flight, or freeze. You know, they're not really thinking very creatively at all. And so we wanted to develop, and we did develop um, an OSHIC kit, which is a series of tools. When you, when you purchase the book, The Beauty of Conflict, you get access to this free bonus material, which is the OSHIC kit is one of them. And it's actually simple tools. I'm a mind-body coach and an elite athlete, and I had to learn how to discharge my nervous system to more of a relaxed state in the moment, in the moment of that meeting, to actually access more of my creativity and brain power. And we, uh, that OSHIT kit is about the tools that help you do that in the moment. So you can, in the midst of that meeting, when you feel, whoa, I don't know what to do, do a few simple things that help you basically discharge in, an, in a nervous system way um, so that you can actually have more resources, creativity, confidence, and speak up. Um, and this was even proven, we were listening, forget what, but um, out of the tennis players, elite tennis players that... What they did in between, the ones that were the best, in between each, what is it called, a set, Susan? <laughs> you can tell she's not a tennis player. She's a rower. I'm a rower. I'm not a tennis player. In between each set where they go and sit on the sidelines, they wouldn't mentally practice. They would completely disengage and relax. And so, and those were the ones that had the most energy and clarity when they went back out on the court to play. And it's the same idea in a meeting. How can you, in that moment, and it's only, it's a short little, you know, like a minute or something to help yourself disengage when you get smack dab confronted with uh, that power struggle where you don't know how to respond. So that the OSHA wow. kit has those tools. Yeah. Wow, that sounds incredible. And, and so valuable. I completely get it because you can get so wrapped up and, and, reactive instead of responsive. So it sounds to me like this kit gives you the opportunity to be responsive. Exactly. I would, I love how you said that, Diane. It's helping somebody recognize they're in a reactive state and it gives them tools to move back down. We have a curve in the book that you can see, but it's come back down to that responsive, high resource state to really, yeah, show up much more fully and calmly in there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Neat. All right. And so, and in the book, you also talk about the check it out model oh. for conflict. Can you talk a little bit about that? I'll take that one, Chris Marie, because that's okay. my, that's my, um, so the check it out model is really this idea because most of the time we fight or we get into conflict because we think we have the right idea or we're just sure we're going to be told we have the wrong idea, whatever, you know, the <laughs> desire to be, we need to be right. And so the check it out model is really all about looking at the stories that we're creating, the way we put the information together and being willing to actually break it down inside ourselves. But then the real key is to be willing to check it out with our teammate, someone else. Here's where I put this together. Do you agree or do you agree or disagree? Or what do you agree with? What do you disagree with? And that check it out model we've seen have really profound impact uh, in so many different ways. I mean, we did a, a leadership development program in a company and there were these two people that were there and they had been at another company together five years prior and had left like not speaking to each other and had come into this new company and were sort of forced to work together. And in the course of 
working yeah. with the model. We, we were introducing it. We were talking about them. They had broken off to do some work practicing with it. And those two came back and shared that they had actually worked out this difference from five years ago simply by checking out their stories. And they were blown away by how different each of their stories were to actually finally do that. They had never... They had never spoken to each other back then. That had created even this huge gap. And so they, you know, they did it in a short amount of time. So checking out your story, check it out, is, a, I think, something that is life-changing for people when they're willing to do it. Yeah, no kidding. Mm-hmm. It, that sounds really powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we outlined it in the book, and we also, it's another free resource. We give actually a worksheet, so you can take a, take a situation and break it down and prep for it to have that, use the model, check it out to, um, on a conversation that's important for you. So that's another free resource when you uh, order the book. Mm-hmm. Wow. I, I got to tell you, I mean, I, I, there's so many things that I, I love about this, um, not the least of which is the, this is not a word, but I'm going to use it anyway, <laughs> uh, the, the realisticness of your approach. I mean, you just, you put it out there. You, you own it. You say, listen, this is the reality. This is what goes on. These are the coping mechanisms. You know, these are the styles that, that people are using. And this is what it's doing to you as an individual and your organization as a whole. I love that. <laughs> That's, I love it. Well, I love that it comes across, Diane, because when we wrote the book, we actually picked three um, values that were kind of driving our book. And the first one is real. So being real. Uh, the other one is practical because we give tons of practical yeah. tools. And then relational because we actually – we think relationships are the key to results, uh, whether that's two people or, you know, 15. <laughs> so, And, you know, it's an interesting thing, Diane, because I think people believe, you know, there's so much out there about how to build respect or, you know, be respectful. But the problem is, you know, for me, I think that's a mis misconception because respect is self-defined. So what respect looks like, so when I say, you know, we should be able to have respectful conversations, we can't unless we actually agree to each show up and say what that would even mean to us. And likely it's gonna mean something different to each of us. And so, so many times, so many things I've seen about managing conflict and, and, and dealing with conflict are actually teaching people how to do things that don't get them to being real and don't acknowledge the fact that nine times out of 10, a difficult conversation is going to be just that. Difficult, (laughs) messy, and ugly. And there is no way around it except to go right smack into it. And and that's a piece I I really, you know, um, no amount of, you know, trying to say it politely, nicely is going to avoid that discomfort. You just have to be willing to feel that discomfort and do your best to say vulnerable and curious in it. Um, uh, or oh when you're not even yeah. saying right now yeah. I am not curious about yeah. you <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm defensive <laughs> yeah that's being vulnerable yeah. Really. Yeah. so yeah yeah yeah, yeah. absolutely mm-hmm. right and, mm-hmm. and the reality of it is you know tools even great even you know the check it out model which I think is an incredible uh way of working with people tools are only as good as the people standing behind them and you know they can be used for good or bad and so really the key in any situation is our willingness as as humans looking at each other eye to eye seeing what's the what's the story behind those you know that other person sitting across from me and being willing to recognize that it's going to be different than mine and there is more than one reality and if and when we get to that point, then we get the prop opportunity to really deal with the differences and discover something way more creative on the other side of that. Yeah, yeah. I think it. I think when people, this is Chris Marie. Sometimes people, you know, just write off somebody. Like, well, fine, I'm just not going to deal yep. with it. Yeah. And it's. I often wonder, wow, what's going on? inside of you that's triggered so much that you can't actually make space for a different reality over there. 
Um, and it's not like I haven't, you know, bumped into that same moment, but I've been challenged to, can I actually get curious about what's happening inside of me? Because if I'm that backed up, something's triggered inside of me mm-hmm. versus always blaming or making it about the other person. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so I guess that, um, some people just have to get into enough pain, right? <laughs> enough oh shit that they say, okay, something's got to be better than this. Right. And they have to really be, uh, I mean, there's so much to it. They have to be open to the idea that it could be something going on with them. And I, I think one of the most important parts here, and I don't think we do it enough, is being able to say to ourselves, I wonder what's going on with the other person that is leading them. I mean, this is like a weird thing, but I think about my mother when, when you're talking about this, cause she'll, she'll get upset with somebody or, you know, she'll say something. And I, and I say to her what she actually used to say to us when we were growing up. Okay. Well, there's probably something going on there. You're not aware of. Mm-hmm. right because because if yeah. it's out of sync or it's if, if it doesn't make sense or it doesn't feel resonant and you're thinking boy what in the world's going on with that person you really have to ask yourself the question I wonder what is going on with that person mm-hmm. yeah yeah and then you could even check it out you know I noticed that you did x y and z which I was surprised at or this is what I you know took me off guard yeah. You know, I'm, I'm wondering, is something else happening for you to actually have that conversation with the person to gain more information? Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. This is so great. And I, and I love that you have, I mean, you know, so I said that the realistic part of it is really great. And the practical, this is what people can do mm-hmm. to, to really work through this. So first, I want to say how much I appreciate you guys coming on and, and sharing this and, and like listening to the two of you and your passion and, and just the experiences that you've had is really fun for me. (laughs) 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 It's a great thing. It's it's really, it's a wonderful thing. So Mm -hmm. thank you. So will you tell my listeners how they can get the book, um, how they can, you know, get in touch with you, anything you've got going on, they should know about, please. Absolutely. So um, the book's The Beauty of Conflict, and you can Google it on Amazon or, or go to Amazon and buy it online. We have the Kindle and the, uh, the book format. You can also go to our website, which is www.thriveinc.com. Um, forward slash beauty of conflict. And it's right there as well. And, um, and in the book, we tell stories, we, we make short little chapters um, so that you can pick up the book. It's like a, it could be a reference book. But um, the biggest compliment is Susan's sister, who's a real literary person, <laughs> said she's, you know, poo poo's business books. And she goes, Oh, my gosh, it reads like a novel. So I thought, hey, if we have her attention, <laughs> that's a good thing. <laughs> so um, it was, it, I took that as just a really nice compliment. So it's, we have stories and tools um, that hopefully are relatable to a lot of different situations. So people, just like you were saying at the beginning, you know, you're stepping into these situations and, oh, I was on this board or on this team. We hope that, yeah. that happens. So yeah. The Beauty of Conflict on Amazon and thriveinc.com are the two uh, areas you can contact us. That Wonderful. also, yeah, you're welcome. We also do a regular newsletter, things like that. So you're, you can sign up online there or any, you know, reach us through that method. Yeah. Great. Yeah. 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 That's great. And, and, and believe me, I think everyone who hears this episode is, can relate to this, that they are plugging themselves in with Mm -hmm. a situation they are either in right now or that they have been in Mm -hmm. and can absolutely see this. And, And I would say for the listeners who are leaders in organizations, are owners of companies, um, you really get the book. (laughs) Really, seriously, and I and and I don't always say that. Let let me just say that that is not something I always say. But what a valuable resource and tool for being able to help your organization be the best that it can be and Mm -hmm. not be mediocre. It's great. 
Yeah. yeah. And it'll even apply to at-home relationships. <laughs> when, you, yeah. when you leaders out there do buy the book, you're going to find that it, it, it applies at work, but it also applies at home. At any relationship that you really care about, learning how to have these tough conversations and, and making space for each other is very powerful. So. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's great. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And I always like to thank the listeners because yes. they're who we're doing yeah. this for <laughs> and our sponsor, get a free trial and a free audiobook by going to audibletrial.com slash business growth to sign up. As always, continue to prosper and be curious. And until we meet again on another episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth, goodbye and good day. Hi, my name is Sarah, and I want to tell you about my podcast called Can I Offer You Some Feedback? I'm a business consultant and executive coach with over 20 years experience in change management, leadership development, and naturally providing feedback to high performers. My podcast is for those of you who have a complicated relationship with feedback, whether giving, receiving, avoiding or seeking. Feedback is essential for our development. In each episode, you'll hear from real people across industries with their ideas, perspectives, and best practices on feedback. I'll also be sharing business bites with you, simple explanations of organizational tools, management techniques, and leadership philosophies that will help you and your businesses thrive. You can listen to Can I Offer You Some Feedback on your favorite podcast app or learn more at evergreenpodcasts.com.